0: We're continuing in a series called Rooted, and it's uh, a look at the things that our lives need to be rooted in as uh, uh, followers of Christ and as we live this life. And um, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about the sort of the classic question of who is God, and we're going to take a look this morning at maybe one of the most basic tenets of of our faith, made one of the most basic ideas uh, in our lives and the idea of who is God. And uh, um, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of a story of two young Oxford Dons, uh, brilliant young professors, Oxford University, right after World War I, they were teaching and uh, they would take long walks at night around the grounds at Oxford. They were coming out of World War I and at the end of World War I, one of these young uh, Oxford intellectuals uh, beca- was an atheist and the other was a follower of Christ and they would take these long walks and they would talk about life and the meaning of life and, and the challenges of life. And, uh, and one night as they're walking, the, this, this young scholar um, who's a follower of Christ, he acknowledged the fact that they had seen the horrors of war uh, and they had seen the disease and they'd seen all of these horrible things during the, the Great War, during World War I, uh, and yet there was something else that his life was built on and he began to ask his friend questions uh, and his friend who was an atheist could not come up with a good answer that that really, that, that really defined what he was looking for in life and what he really believed and it was out of those conversations among other things that that this young atheist whose name happened to be C.S. Lewis uh, came to Christ and his friend J.R.R. Tolkien was his friend for life and they used to have these discussions all the time until one arguably one of the most brilliant um, uh, scholars in the world finally had to conclude that there is something to this, that God must exist, that there's some truth to this, and it led him to an understanding, it led him to a new picture of who God is and and what the world was like, and and there's a great quote that I um, have for us this morning from C.S. Lewis. Uh, It says, in the whole universe, uh, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there was no light in the universe, and therefore no uh, creature with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. And so the the thing that C.S. Lewis is trying to help us understand uh, is that by the very fact that we search for meaning, that the fact that the, the universe has meaning should be an indicator, should be a clue to us that there is a God who created things, that there is a God behind all of this. And so this morning, we wanna take a look at who that God is, we wanna take a look at God, and we're gonna begin in the book of Genesis at the very beginning in Genesis one. Genesis one start that says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we're gonna learn some really interesting things about God just by looking at this sentence, looking at this phrase. The the very fact that says in the beginning God created tells us that God pre-existed before creation. That there is a God who has always been and always will be. That that he's eternal. Uh, That the God who created existed before creation. That's the first thing we learn about who he is. That he pre-exists. That he is before creation. The second thing. That we learn is in the very name of God. That that, that the word God here uh, in Genesis uh, is Elohim, and it gives us remarkable insight uh, into who God is. So the very f- one of the very first things that the writer does here is he gives God a name. He is Elohim, uh, and there's, uh, it's mentioned here in chapter one. But the interesting thing, Elohim is is by far the most used name for God in in all of the Old Testament. In fact, Elohim, this word is used 2,602 times uh, to refer to God as the name of God in the Old Testament. 2,602 times we have this word, this Hebrew word Elohim, that's used uh, to tell us who God is. And uh, one of the uh, intriguing things about the name Elohim is is that it's both singular and plural. So uh, in, in Genesis 1, it does not say that in the beginning, the gods created the heavens and the earth. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, later on in Deuteronomy 6, 4, uh, the scripture is gonna say, Hear, O Israel, uh, the Lord our God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one that he is saying that we have God, that he is the Elohim, and he is one God. He, he is the God, he's the true God. But then, we're gonna go to Genesis one twenty six, and you suddenly find Elohim saying, let us make man in our image. And so now, already, we have this complexity in who God is. And the truth is that it's so complex, he's so vast, that if we really understood everything about God, we would be God, that he's beyond our comprehension, but we're beginning to get this picture of who God is, and that he is the one God, and yet he is manifested, he is the three in one, and we talk, particularly in the New Testament, about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being the one God, and we've called it the the Trinity, that's just a name that we have for it. Uh, but but what it's talking about is this Elohim, the one God who is also the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, he created the heavens and the earth. The word created is mentioned three times in Genesis one. It's mentioned first right there in that very first, first verse that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the second time it's mentioned is all the way down in verse 21 so God created uh, the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good and then the third time creation is mentioned is in verse 27 so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and and so now we have the creation of all human life so we have this picture uh, of the 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 complexity of god the greatness of god who pre-existed creation and then he speaks into these things he he um that that he he creates the heavens and the earth uh that he creates the the birds and the and the animals and everything living and he creates man and woman he creates human beings and God looked at them and he said that they're good and all of these things are clues to who God is they're all clues that take us to God we're we're sort of like the children who who use breadcrumbs to to line their path so they can find their way home God is saying I'm giving you these clues I'm I'm leaving these breadcrumbs so you can find your way back to me. And, and so he created all of those things. The, the idea, the word creation, uh, speaks to the idea of creating out of nothing, that God spoke and it came into being, that, that we were created out of nothing, that the earth was created out of nothing. God spoke and, and it came into being. And, uh, and so we have this idea of God creating man in his own image. Now, verse 2 says this that the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Over the face of the waters. So now we go to verse 2, and we have this picture of creation. And the very first picture that we have of creation is that it was without form and it was void. And we're going to look at three of the aspects of creation this morning really briefly. Then the first one is going to be uh, formless, the first one is going to be without form, and and that's what we get in verse 2. The second one that we'll look at is formed, Uh, the second that, that God took that formless creation and he formed it and then the third part that we'll look at this morning is the fullness that God went from formless to form to fullness uh, in his creation now all of this helps us when it comes to this little idea that the Germans gave us the Germans invented a word okay I have no idea how to say that ubica but it's a long really long German word right Okay, it's legit. See, and I'm not even going to try to say that word, but you can read it, write it down, look it up later. I'm sure it's phonetic or something. But um, but this word, uh, it literally means a wide world perception, Uh, a wide world perception. We shortened it up and we call it a world view. And so this idea that we have, this idea that, w- that word that we got from Germany is, is w- what we call our worldview, and our worldview is how we, this is odd, it's how we view the world. I, imagine this, that you put on a pair of red glasses, and, and you see the world through the lens of red glasses, and everything is going to be tented, everything is going to sort, of, sort of look red, it's going to have that look to you because of the lenses that you're looking through, or you put on purple glasses, you're going to see the world in a, with a different view, you're going to see the world in a different light because of the lenses that you're looking through. What our worldview is, it's the lenses that through which we see the world, it's what it, the world looks like to us, and, and this becomes really important to us as we consider creation, as we consider who God is, because this is the truth, that our worldview view begins with God. Our worldview begins with God. How you believe in God, or whether you believe in God, and who you believe God to be is going to be the lens through which you see the world. And how this plays out in our lives is that if people say that they don't believe God exists, then, then what do you believe? What What's the lens that you have to see Uh, The world, if there's nothing after this life, what is there to look forward to? What is there to to measure by? What do we see in the world? But maybe maybe you think God exists, but you see the world as an angry place. You see the world as a fearful place. You you see the world as a punishing place. And it's the lens by which you see the world. And, And when we look at who God is, we're gonna get a better picture of the lens through which we, that God wants us to see him. And that God wants us to see the world. And so our perspective, our view of the world actually determines everything. Uh, The way that you and I behave is because of the assumptions that we make by how we see the world. Our our worldview starts with God. And if you get the most important thing wrong, you're going to get the rest of it wrong. I'm not going to take a lot of time this morning to... Talk about the existence of God, because the truth is that evidence is overwhelming and, and, and reality is this really is for all of the stuff that 's been written and all the atheists have gotten you know on the New York Times bestseller list and all that kind of stuff, the truth is that that most of the world the vast vast majority of the world believes in God uh, that, that God may be manifested to them in a different way, but they they believe in god, so i don 't want to spend a lot of time, but I did find an interesting article that was in uh on in the wall street journal uh recently and it was <laughs> it was uh, about the the fine tuning necessary uh for the university to the universe to exist it's an article by uh, in wall street journal by eric metaxas and, and it talks about this idea that scientists are talking about right now about the fine tuning that everything has to line up just perfectly. Everything had to be hung in the universe just perfectly. That if it had been a hundred millionth uh, off, of where it is that the, the, that we cou- that life couldn 't exist uh, as it does today, that it had to be just perfect, that there was fine tuning it wasn 't a random act, it wasn 't a bang, it was some something behind it, and, and it 's challenging uh, scientists It's challenging some of the some of the most renowned scientists in the world to reconsider uh, their ideas about where the world came from, and, and this is what I found really. Fascinating is that Fred Hoyle, the astronomer who coined the term Big Bang, said that his atheism was greatly shaken at these developments. He later wrote, A common sense interpretation of the facts suggests, I love this, the way he says this, a super intellect has monkeyed with the physics as well as with chemistry and biology. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to be so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. Theoretical physicist Paul Davies has said that the appearance of design is overwhelming. and Oxford professor, Dr. John Lennox has said that the more we get to know about our universe, the more the hypothesis that there is a creator gains in credibility as the best explanation of why we are here. <coughs> so, number one. So, we have this picture that God exists. A- and what's remarkable is that these brilliant, brilliant people who would have considered themselves atheists, I'm gonna try not to just spit this at you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, uh, that you would do that, Sherry, but not me. Okay, so, um, but who consider themselves atheists are now having to rethink everything, how they view the world, um, because of the overwhelming e- um, evidence of the existence of God, and it's changing their worldview. I- if, if our worldview be- world begins with God, a- and that we believe then that God exists, well how does that change how we see the world? one would think, then we really need to get to know who God is because that's the lens by which we're going to see everything else. So I mentioned that there are three parts to the rest of the story of creation. Uh, the first one in verse 2 was that it was formless, uh, that it was uh, without form, that it was void. The second is that it was formed. And, and we get that uh, when we continue to read the, cre- the creation story that, that God created. It was without form and void. And then God said, I'm gonna separate the light from the dark and I'm gonna give you day and night and I'm gonna create days and I'm gonna create weeks and I'm gonna create months and years so that you can measure time and you'll know when it's daytime and you'll know when it's night and I'm gonna separate those things and then I'm gonna cause the water to recede and land to come forth and, and now there will be land and there will be sea and I'm gonna create form to all of these and then where there's land i'm going to put plants uh and i'm going to b- you know add trees and i'm going to add grass and i'm going to add flowers and all of these things and and i'm going to create form for you and we get that picture as we as we read it through uh, in genesis 1 verses 3 to 19 and then the last thing that he did <laughs> the last thing that he did he says now i'm going to create the beasts of the field and the birds in the air and i'm going to create the the creatures in the sea and then finally he said and i'm going to i'm going to create people i'm going to create man men and women i'm going to make them in my image the the god of the universe again if we see the world through the lens of god exists and we look at what god has done that god has taken something that was formless and he formed it and and then he made it full that he gave it fullness that God did all of that and he fine-tuned it and he did it with such precision so that we can breathe and we can have life and we can walk and, and we can make decisions and, and we can love and we can live life. That God did something very personal and very real for us. And there are two other really important parts of this that, that I that I particularly enjoy. And The first one is this, that, that he... When he created, he looked at his creation and as you read each section, you see that God created. And then he looked at it and he said, this is good. I did this is really good. The stars are just right. Jupiter's in the right spot. And, and Jupiter is the, you know, the junkyard of the universe that because Jupiter's in exactly the right spot and how big uh, of a planet Jupiter is, it's, it's gravitational pull um, pulls all the junk into it and so there are tens of thousands of of asteroids and things that would that would attempt to hit earth if it wasn't for the gravitational pull of jupiter pulling all the junk from the universe uh, into its gravitational orbit i got jupiter right there and god looked at it and he said this is good and in each step then he he created form and he he looked at the form he looked at the sea and he looked at the land and he looked at the plants and he said this is good and when he finished creating men and women, when he cr- finished creating people, and he looked at all of his creation, he said, this is really good. What I've done is really good. He created it, it not because he was so bent on being good. He created it because he created it for us and he created it the very best. A- and then the, the, s- the other thing that he did that I love in this passage, is in those steps, too, that when he created, it says when he created man and woman, when he created the, the animals, he said he blessed them, and he said be fruitful and multiply, and, and then he created us, and, and he, he blessed us. The God of the universe said, I've created you, I've given you this, and now I'm going to bless you. I want, I want you to live a happy, I want you to live a full, I want you to live a, a complete life, I want you to live with my blessing. And so we look at the world, we look at God, and we see he's a God who pre-existed creation, that all things came into being through him. And when God created, he looked at his creation, he said, this is good, and then he blessed his creation. That's a God who is personal. That's a God who cares uh, about what he does. That's a God who cares about us. He blessed it. Now, right, here's something else that, we know about God if, if, if you look at then if you're if the, if the lens of your eyes see um, who God is and you want to know who God is here's a really important part of it and it comes from 1st John chapter 4 jumping to the New Testament it says this so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us uh, God is love And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love verse 19, he closes with this. We love because he first loved us. So now we look at who God is and we learn three really important things. The first thing that we learn is right there in the very first verse, in verse 16, that God is love. So if we have, if our worldview is that God is the creator of the universe, that God exists, and, and, and that God is love, then how we see the world is going to be the, through the lens of a God who loves us because that's who he is, that's his very nature, that's his essence, that's his very being. And you see, some of us have gotten it so confused, because when we, our worldview says, yes, there is a God, but he's ready to punish me, he's ready to pound me, he's ready for me to make a mistake, so he can throttle me, that that's the the God I see, but that's not the God of the Bible, that's not the God that he wants us to understand, uh, that, that, that the God that wants to know us is the God who is love. And this is what he says. The second thing is that perfect love casts out fear. God didn't come to make us more afraid. But he came to, for that we could experience his perfect love. And now we see the world through a lens of being loved. Now this is going to be really important for us because then he says at the end that we love, therefore we love. And why do we love? Because he first loved us. <laughs> That's awesome. Y- y- you see, here's what happens. And as I look at the world, I, I, <coughs> I see a God who loves me. I see a God whose love is overwhelming for me. And, and when I experience that love, then it, it, it gives me the opportunity then to see myself as loved and then to love other people because I was loved first. And if you want to know what that love looks like, you only have to go to John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world, that would be us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what the love of God looks like. And we love because he first loved us and sent his son for us. That's what it looks like. So if you ask me what forms my worldview, I would certainly say that I see the world through a lens that God exists and he is the creator and he loves me. And he loves me so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to give his life for me. But I would have to also say that, that my worldview also is really built around the resurrection because i also believe that christ rose from the grave and just as the existence of god is is, 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 is as being is that was being challenged and was being written off is, is now having to be reconsidered by all of these intellects the idea of the resurrection is arguably one of the easiest things in all of the bible to Prove, but for two thousand years, people have tried to refute it and haven't been able to. And if you look, if you see the world through the lens that Jesus came to give His life for us, and that He was, that He was crucified but he rose again and now I see the world through the risen Christ it changes everything about the world for me it changes how I see the world that now I have a different perspective I know that God keeps his promises I know that this isn't the end I know that he has a plan he has a place for me that's bigger than I can ever imagine that's who Jesus is and that's how we begin to view the world and so we look at Jesus, Colossians 1.15 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know who God is, you have to look at Jesus. You need to look right at Jesus, that he is the visible expression of the invisible God. Who is God? Start with Jesus. Look at Jesus, the visible expression of the invisible God. So how does this all play out? How, d- how does this work then as we, as we think through the lens by which we see the world? Uh, um, just a little over a week ago, I had a call. Actually, two weeks ago now, I had a call and uh, from some friends. And, and a, a friend of ours, um, our age, just didn't wake up one morning. Went to bed and wasn't feeling great, but he just he didn't wake up. Had a heart attack and died in his sleep. And and uh, I sort of felt like it was really young, you know, for that to happen, considering we graduated from high school together. And uh, when they called, they said uh, we have no church affiliation. Uh, but you, they don't even th- live in Phoenix. It's just, you know, and and what happened is that we we we. S- Hadn't had much contact as we were growing up after high school, but um, you know how it works. Years later, his mom passed away, and he called and asked me if I would do her funeral. So even with not a lot of contact, people tend to know who to call, right? And so I, I did his mom's memorial service, and we reconnected at that point, and, and uh, uh, I liked him. But they had no church affiliation, and when he passed away, they didn't know what to do, so they called me and asked if I would help. And I said, of course I'll help. Uh, and so we got together and we talked and, and um, I said, you know, when, you ha- when I do a service, though, you, you get me, right? You know, you, uh, that's this is how I'm going to do the service. And we talked it through and they, they said, that's great and we appreciate it. And so when it came time to the service, I could talk about our friendship in high school. And I could talk about a little bit about how we'd reconnected as adults, but I couldn't talk about that he was a man of great faith and I couldn't talk with great confidence about any of those things. I, I have to leave those between he and the Lord because I don't know any of that. But, but here's what I could talk to him about. It's how they viewed the world. About this moment in, in their life and what they saw. A- and I used a familiar passage. I, I used John 14 that begins with this. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus was with his disciples, and they, he had just told them that, uh, that he was going to be betrayed, and he was going to be beaten, and he was going to be crucified, and all these things needed to happen, and his disciples were trying to talk him out of it, and they were saying, this can't happen. We were just, we were just thought everything was going to kind of work the way we wanted it to work, and Jesus said, no, this is the plan, and and, and clearly the disciples are distraught and Jesus looks at him that night and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, that, that's your worldview. You, you've always believed in God, you believe that God exists. You, you believe that you were part of God's family, God's nation, well, you believe in God, I want you to believe in me. That if, you see, if you've seen me, that you know who God is, you know what God looks like. So you believe in God and believe also in me. And then in verse two, it says in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you'd have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. And here is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you believe in God, believe also in me. And let me tell you what it means to believe in me. It means that that, that life doesn't stop here, that this existence continues on, that I'm going to prepare a place that where I am that you can be with me, that that there is an eternity that we will have together, that that's what I have for you in the future. That's what I'm going to do for you. And in the meantime, I want you to understand that that the way to get there is through Jesus. And he says, you know who God is. You have that worldview, but let me tell you what God looks like. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he looks like. And as we look for God and as we want to know who God is we just look through the lens of Jesus who Jesus is and so he gave them this incredible hope that everything doesn't end here everything doesn't finish here but we have this hope for eternity through Christ that God always keeps his promises and and as we look through the lens uh, in our life of the resurrection we are reminded that Christ kept his promise that he overcame death and he will continue to keep his promises. And we are people with great hope because of that truth. And then Jesus says something else to them in verse 15. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you think about this for a second this is the next promise that jesus gives his disciples that day and and it's what i wanted to remind people of at that memorial service that this is what it means to believe in jesus that there is a place for us there is hope for us but while we're living here there is also the spirit of god and and he is the spirit he is a helper He's the comforter. It's the resurrected spirit of Jesus Christ that he says he lives in you. Not only is he with you, but he lives in you. And so Jesus is promising his disciples, not only is there a place that you'll go someday, but while you are here, my spirit is going to live in you and it's going to live through you and you will be able to live this life regardless of circumstances, regardless of any other issues, you'll live this life because I'm in you. And see, if our worldview says that I believe in God and I believe that I know who God is through Jesus Christ and my worldview says that God raised Jesus from the grave, that he is alive today and that he keeps his promises, then my world tells me that regardless of my circumstances, regardless of what's going on in my life, I am a person of joy and I'm a person of hope because I know where it's going to end, and I know in the meantime that God Himself is living in me, that He dwells in me by His Spirit. That's awesome. That's wonderful. A- and that's that's the worldview that He calls us to live in. And then He gives them one more in verse 27. And Jesus says this, he leaves his disciples with this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace, not just any peace, Jesus says. Not just some random peace, not just a momentary happiness. But my peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So here's the last promise that Jesus gives his disciples, and it's a picture of how we view the world. Jesus says, not only am I preparing a place for you, uh, not only am I sending my spirit to live in you, but I am offering you my peace, the peace that comes from wholeness in Christ, the peace that comes from belonging to him. And it says, it's a peace that, (coughs) sorry, (coughs) I almost made it all the way through. He said, it's a peace that the world can't give you. There's nothing in the world like it. But it's also a peace that the world can't take away from you. It's his peace. Because of who Christ is, it's his wholeness that he offers us. So I just want to ask you a simple question this morning. Like there's a simple question. What's your worldview this morning? When you look at the world, what are the lens that you see the world through? Is the world a dangerous place for you? Is it a scary place for you? Is the world a place where people are out to get you? Is, Is the world a place where, in spite of the circumstances, you know that you are loved by the God who created everything? the God who fine-tuned the universe, do you think he's not paying attention to the details of your life? Do you think that he's unaware of all the things that are going on in your life? What's your worldview this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. power of your word and the truth of your word lord um, i ask that you would challenge us this morning that with the, the lens that through which we see the world what's our worldview, lord and if it's not if it doesn't begin with you I, I pray lord that you would help us that you would grow us convict us whatever it is that you need to do so that so that we might correct that lord so that we might see the world through you and what you've created what you've done what you've offered us uh, so Lord, we, we submit ourselves to you this morning and we're grateful that we have this picture of who you are through Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all these things in Jesus' name. we believe that's a, another way of talking about our our world view so what are the lens that you see the the world through i would encourage you this week to really take some time and think about that think about how you respond to things think about how you you, you look at things you know when you you see a stranger on the street do you is your first thought menace or is your first thought i wonder if he's a brother you know i wonder if i wonder if he could be my friend Wh- how, do, how do you see Uh, how you see the events of your life and how you see the world tells you a lot about what you believe. And we know what we believe this morning. We believe in Christ. And here's what I want you to know for sure, that he loves you and that he's fine-tuned this whole world for you. And I love you. And I hope you have a great day. God bless you. Kylie.